1: Hello, it's Ian and Chris here. Welcome to the weekly wrap across the knuckles that otherwise goes by the name of the "It's All Kicking Off" weekend preview show. Now, before we get to it, Chris, you and I went to see a Premier League a-lister this week, and it was quite some hour.
2: The criticism will come, or the scrutiny will come. I should say more criticism, but more importantly, internally, you know, the players will see, the staff will see that I'm not changing. This is who we're going to be. Yes, we're on demand, yes, we're going to have some key players missing, but we're going to go out there, whether that's Villa or Manchester City or whatever go- challenges we've got, we're going to go try and play our football. The, the beauty of it is, you think about it, right, I've got nine men out there who totally believe in something. Yeah? And for me, that's gold, right, because that's, that's the biggest part of the battle. By being ourselves, playing our football, we can still get to where we want to. I'm got to ask you, what, what, would, what would happen if you went down to eight? Yeah, I think I said half a game. Look, we were down to five. We still have a. It's like well, there's no point defending with five, is there? You you've got no chance. So, we um, I mean, just. I, I. I don't know any other way. I, I've. I've tried to explain this to people that you know, in the broad church of football philosophies, I kind of. I stayed really strict to one religion. You know, I, I went into a library of football books and I, I got stuck on one section that was about attacking football. It's the only space I feel comfortable in. If you asked me tomorrow to set up my team to, to go out there and get a point against an opposition by playing defensive football, I could probably do it, but I wouldn't have anywhere near the conviction about it as if you said to me, look, you need to go and win 3-0 tomorrow.
1: Tottenham manager, Ange Postacoglu, was good enough to invite us down to see him on Tuesday. And Chris, I think it's fair to say what we got was pretty much the the Ange Postacoglu that you know and love from his time at Celtic in his first two or three months at Tottenham.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a fascinating guy, isn't he? I think he's made a, a huge impact in his relatively sort of short time south of the border, on and off the pitch. I think he speaks a lot of sense. Uh he's he's had a stellar career in uh in management. I didn't know a lot about him until he went uh to, to Celtic, got the job uh, uh in the J League where he'd won a, a a league title with the Oklahoma over there. And I didn't believe he could turn Celtic round to the extent which he did playing a brand of football um such an exciting brand of football in such a short space of time. That was remarkable uh but it was it was a, a fascinating hour to sit and and listen to him and just, just just see how he thinks uh about the game uh and he's gone into Tottenham and in a very short space of time and he's not cracked anything yet and he hasn't said that he has but in a very short space of time he's had to change uh, a culture and a philosophy and uh and you know he's done that very very well but as I say it's early days in his uh in his Premier League experience
1: now well like I say we spent an hour with with poster colby on Tuesday and um the products of that hour will be um spread in glorious technical across the pages of our match day pullout in the print edition of the Daily Mail on Saturday it will be across all our digital platforms as well there'll be a few clips um similar to the one you just heard appearing on our social feeds across the nets Couple of days, and the one we the one that we we heard there was obviously Basta talking about that remarkable night against Chelsea a couple of weeks ago when they they lost four one at home, but largely because they were down to nine men. But all his nine men or his eight men, one of them was in goal. His eight outfield players across the across the um, the centre line tried to try to play Chelsea at their own game, tried to go for it, conceded goals, got criticised. Um, but he ain't backing down, is he? It's remarkable, really.
3: I've played football for however long. I've never seen anything like it. But, you know, it's about changing a mindset. It's about the bigger picture for uh, for Ange Postacoglu. And I always go back to, if you look through his managerial record, uh, he has gone into clubs and he has turned clubs around and made them successful. How has he done that? By, by playing this attacking brand of football, which he believes in. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think in a short space of time, Boycey brought some excitement to the Premier League. I
1: mean, one of the things that that Postecoglou talked about very openly on Tuesday was the scrutiny that he knows will now come on the back of these two defeats against Chelsea and then against Wolves, where they conceded two goals in added time. We know that Chelsea, Tottenham are down on numbers. We know that they've got injuries, and they'll have and they've got suspended players as well. However, Ange knows that two defeats back-to-back, any club can weather those. That happens to any club. Three defeats, if they were to lose at home to Villa on Sunday, starts to become a bit of a problem. You know, despite all that uh, Poster-Clogger has done at Tottenham so far, um, there are still players. I know it's a much-changed much, a much changed team, but there are still players in that, in that squad and in that team who will probably still carry a bit of um, mental baggage from the ups and downs of the last couple of seasons. Um, and all I'm saying is that if two defeats become three defeats, then some of those doubts maybe start start to reappear. Defeats do change things, don't they? They do change things, whether they are deserved, whether there are reasons for the defeats. They do change the feel of a football club. That's all I'm saying.
3: They do change things, um, and I understand that, but they will not change what Ange Postacoglu thinks and his beliefs you know when when if if most uh premier league teams lost key players as madison has been a key player as van der ven has uh, been a key player as romero has been a, a key player they may think about a lot of managers may think about adjusting and thinking well we're going to be a little bit more balanced a uh, little bit um you know more conservative in our approach but he just believes in this way of playing his his philosophy which has worked over so what 25 26 years of of coaching and he will he will double down that's what's worked for him and and this is you know this is in the in the best league in the world but he he backs himself and in many ways I I really admire that you, you know I do
1: I do think the most in, the most impressive thing um that that I felt walking away from Tottenham on uh, Tottenham training ground on Tuesday was the the sheer Belief, the confidence, the quiet confidence. There's no arrogance about Poster coglu but he absolutely knows that he's where he is because he deserves to be here. He's overcome an awful lot of prejudices against coaches from Australia and from that part of the world to get to Scotland and then to get to England. He knows what he is. He knows why he's here, and he knows that he deserves it. And I think deep down, he will know that there will be there will be flexible. Approach is needed as we go forward, to, but but ultimately that philosophy doesn't change. That way of dealing with people doesn't change. Um, he was it. He was incredibly impressive, and we will be hearing from him a little bit later again um, in today's episode. Now, if Ange Postacogu is one of the managers of the season so far, if not if not the manager of the season so far, then Aston Villa's um Unai Emery is probably not far behind because the quiet job he is doing at Villa Park is equally as awe inspiring, is it not?
3: Oh yes it is. Um I think if Villa beats Spurs they can leapfrog them in the table. Uh you know there's there's a possibility now. I think people are talking about Villa, the possibility of a you know a top four spot which is pretty unthinkable to, to think that when he took over from Steven Gerrard the job which he's done and they haven't, he hasn't gone daft uh, and made wholesale changes it's been about organisation a uh, little bit like uh, Postacoglu in the players buying into his philosophy what do we know? Uh, they are a super organised team, they carry a, a, a goal threat and uh, it'll be an interesting game.
1: Yeah I said to you on our Monday show uh, about a month ago I think that uh, Villa's form since um, Emery took over just over a year ago was it would essentially have put them into the top three of the Premier League. You poo-pooed that and said that you couldn't judge kind of form over two separate seasons.
3: You were talking about different seasons. You you, you know, you're just, just just making it up as you went along to suit your argument. You do that a lot.
1: I do, but well, that one was actually based on statistics. And the point <laughs> I was making was that um, the consistency of Emery um, during his time at Villa, has been the most impressive thing about him. Remember, they opened this season by losing five one at Newcastle. You know, that seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? Now, the um,
3: I think I think you, you you probably you probably wrote them off then, didn't you? Statistically, <laughs> a
1: quick five on them to go down after that game. Um, <laughs> now um, the, <laughs> we return to Premier League action um, on Saturday, um, and it's a mouthwatering prospect. The first game of the weekend is Saturday lunchtime. Uh, Liverpool at Manchester City I must admit I can't, I still despite the open nature, the welcome welcome open nature of this year's Premier League title race I I still don't really see beyond these two teams in terms of um, a winner, that could change depending on what Arsenal do in the transfer market in January, but before we get into the football, the focus will be on the field on Saturday at the Etihad but you and I We'll be watching particularly what happens with with the referee. On on Monday, on our It's All Kicking Off show, we heard from two grassroots referees who have quit the game after being on the wrong end of some pretty gruesome uh, verbal and physical abuse. And it's made us think hard about the way that managers and players behave towards officials in the Premier League. Um, Our campaign, across all our male sport platforms, is called stop the abuse it's up and running um it's on mail online it's across our social channels it's in the pages of the daily mail it's been backed by the football association and they've welcomed our not our intervention but they've welcomed our intent and our motivation um so yeah man city versus liverpool uh chris Cavan is the referee and we'll see what we'll see what occurs won't we
3: uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's going to be a tough game to uh, t- to referee with uh, with what's uh, at stake. Um, I've got to say, I think you know that this male campaign is is, is much needed um, because there is a decline at, at grassroots level, uh, which which we know about, and I think everybody looks at the, at the highest level and the way players and managers act, and I think that. Uh, you know that they have a responsibility to to the game at uh, at all levels actually Ange Postecoglou spoke about this um didn't he but in in terms of the game itself uh i think that uh, and, and the way that it's 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 refereed there's going to be scrutiny just based on a lot of uh incidents which have happened this season with regards to uh, to VAR but it's you know it's not actually the VAR which is the issue it's the uh, the people operating it, which has uh, which has been a bit of a problem, and, and where the scrutiny, uh, ha, you know, has come from, because with VAR, everybody expects perfection, but that's that's not the case, is it?
1: We did ask Hans Pasi um on Tuesday whether he thought Premier League managers and players have a duty to do a little
2: bit better. VAR yeah, played a role in this, but I just think we've diminished the role of the official and, and we've made almost made their jobs impossible. I've yet to see what people tell me what VAR has how it has contributed to our game in any sense. Now I'm thinking about referees going out onto a field of play knowing that they don't have the authority they used to. Because every every decision gets questioned. It's not this whole clear and obvious error or re-referee, it does re-referee the game. No one can convince me otherwise that our game's now refereed externally. They're not refereed there. So as an official, how are you supposed to have any authority over the players? How are you supposed to have any authority and yes, us us as managers I think have a responsibility to set an example because again if I take that another step back and think about the junior playgrounds where, you know, young referees are trying to do what are they gonna see? What are they gonna do? What are they gonna see? You know. So there, there does need to be sort of some readdressing of behaviours along the way, I guess. And, and like, oh, it's easy for me to say, it, but I've got to live it. I've got to, I've got to make sure that I, I, I set that example because, invariably, when a decision will go against us, um, you know, they'll measure it against me. But more broadly, I just don't like where we're taking the game in terms of that part of our game. And to Cogley speaking,
1: there did also say to us, um. Tuesday, that he was embarrassed for being, for being booked um, during that uh, defeat at home to Chelsea. Though he, he did point out it, for, it was for leaving his technical area, but he felt that very deeply. Does feel that referee, uh, that managers and players should set an example. It's easier said than done, of course. In the heat of in the heat of battle, nobody is perfect. Now, one thing that has struck me ahead of uh, the Manchester City Liverpool game on on Saturday is that there's already been some chat across social media about the referee Chris Kavanagh simply because Kavanagh was born and raised five miles from the Etihad Stadium people are already calling into question his impartiality people are questioning why the PGMOL would appoint him and to me this is the kind of nonsense that underpins all of this rubbish that we see directed towards officials on match days Chris Cavana is from Ashton under Lime, right? Which isn't actually in Manchester. It's in Greater Manchester. I should underline it's, it's its own town. Yeah. Okay. He's not a Manchester City supporter. He's not a Liverpool supporter. I don't care where he was born. I trust his impartiality. I don't trust that he'll have a perfect game because nobody does. But I don't think he's biased. It's nonsense, isn't it?
3: It does seem that way. I think you know the the nature of the game now and social media. Everybody's sort of looking for for a different slant, a different angle on something. You know, you said he wasn't a Manchester City um, supporter just because he was born close to the stadium. What does what does that mean? I mean, you know, are we going to get to the stage where we're where we're looking at referees and uh, uh, which particular city they they're born closer to? uh yeah i mean that 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 doesn't make any sense but you know the, the the scrutiny um certainly doesn't help does it in any way shape or form and cranks the pressure up on referees just let these
1: guys turn up on a saturday put their whistles in their mouths and get on with it that's all we need to happen now on the field quickly two players i'm going to mention two players i love talking about darwin nunes um Banging them in for Uruguay of the international break which shows what what quality he's on
3: fire. Yeah,
1: on fire, on fire. So chances are probably on the bench on Saturday. <laughs> um, and dear old Jack Grealish, dear old Jack Grealish. I see everybody's picking up on on something that we talked about a month or so ago. Again, you ridiculed me for it. Sideways, backwards. He's lost a little. He's lost a little bit of a zip, has Jack, and we need him to get it back. So we so we can see the jack grealish that we love don't we
3: is this is this again a little bit too reactive uh from you Did jack grealish if we if we go back a while jack grealish's performance at uh, at old Trafford, i think we were you know all saying jack grealish is back to his best so i think the important thing from manchester city's perspective is they've got a right old battle now uh, on that left-hand side for for that position grealish is mm. under pressure There there were, in truth, there weren't. There there wasn't many England uh, players who came out of that international. uh, You know, the the couple of games with any great credit. I think that was always going to be the case against Malta. You could play well against Malta. Uh, You know, Macedonia, and you know, I think everybody's looking at those games thinking, you know, who's 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 that bothered England had already qualified. You know, it was just sort of run of the mill stuff, but. Seems like you're picking on Jack again. Unnecessary.
1: I've got all the faith in the world about Jack Grealish, but what really interests me about that situation is that I think it's a Pep Guardiola thing. I think he's playing to instruction. I think he's playing to keep the ball. He's playing to keep foul to win fouls. Um, And I find it as a football uh, fan, as a football. Uh, observer as a journalist for twenty odd years, you, I find it interesting. I find it fascinating.
3: This is really interesting. So you 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 you're critical of uh, of Jack Grealish, or you have been critical of him this season, and now you're saying it's on Pep. So it's not Jack's fault not he's playing Jack, the really. way. Well, you it's, have been. I mean, we we can we can we can go no, back to, not to previous shows and, and we can clip we can clip things up. You you know you you have been, but now you're sort of. Blaming Pep for his performances. I'm not
1: no, I'm not. Pep likes to micromanage players. Um he literally walks onto a training ground and moves them into position. And I think this is a lot this is a lot this has a lot to do with the Grealish conundrum at the moment. I think he's been asked to play a certain way. And I think I think that has taken some of that natural instinctive flair out of his mentality for the time being, I think it's a problem that will be that'll be corrected. City won't even see it as a problem because they're winning matches. No idea whether Jack really sees it as a problem. No idea at all. I do know, because he said to me in the past that he does, he does put faith in in his, the number of his assists and the number of his goals. So he'll probably want those numbers up. This is not, don't, don't suggest that I'm trying to turn this into something that it's not, Chris. I'm just interested by it. He's a, he's a natural attacking wide player whose natural instinct has always been to take players on, get to the byline, cross the ball, make things happen, and he's playing in a different way. I find it interesting, simple as that.
3: Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: Everton versus Manchester United. I will be at Goodison Park on um, Sunday for what uh, promises to be um, the footballing occasion of the weekend. It might not be the best game. Everton, but it certainly will be with the eyes of the world will be on it, the eyes of the Premier League will be on it. Everton starting the game joint bottom of the Premier League after their 10-point deduction by the Premier League or by the three-man independent commission appointed by the Premier League um, to look into Everton's uh, uh, financial fair play uh, transgression. Without going into all the details of that again, Everton are very, very unhappy, obviously. Uh, the sports director, Kevin Thelwell, has spoken out about it now. The mayor of Liverpool has spoken out about it. They think they've been hard done to. Um, there's going to be planes flying around with banners. Um, they'll be outside Goodison Park at midday on Sunday, I would imagine. It's going to be a heck of an atmosphere. More important than that, Everton need to get some points because they've got points to make up now.
3: Yeah, but I, I think the most important thing is that from a playing perspective, the players actually keep the heads i mean they, they are in good form sean dyche has got them into uh, you know a, a really good rhythm and they and they just have to keep doing what they're doing um or what they have been doing in, in recent times i think they're a well-balanced outfit um uh, we know what's happened to them uh i think as a, a as a club this sort of backs against the wall uh everybody's against us uh may well work in their, in their favour, a bit of a, a siege mentality. But the most important thing, I think, from Sean Dyche's perspective, he'll be um, you know, saying to his players, make sure we keep 11 players on the pitch. And, you know, we, don't, we, we just carry on doing what we have been doing. It
1: is also interesting to go into a, a big game involving Manchester United without the focus being on Manchester United. Eric Hag must be delighted.
3: Yeah, and well, it's it's in form Manchester United. If you, I know you're a big stats man. If you if you're looking at the sort stats, uh, you know Manchester United are on a great run. But if you've actually watched them play, you know that you can be sort of you, you, we could have been sort of misled uh, by looking at how many victories they've got as of late because the performances simply haven't been there. But in terms of confidence uh, and, and sort of. Winning games of late, I think Manchester United will think they're in a, an in an okay place.
1: Now, um, I see you've got one of your seven Christmas trees on on display behind you there. For those of you who for those of you who are watching on social channels or even on YouTube, Chris has got seven or eight Christmas trees in his house, and we can see one of them twinkling away merrily behind him, even though it is only the second of October. Um, well, it's, it's, um, it's, important of,
3: uh, it's important to bring a bit of it's important to bring a bit of cheer to the pod. Isn't it? Cheers, <laughs> my life. Well, to you and and you know, and to the to the listeners and the watchers. Why can't we just all be happy? That's my motto. I think the one
1: person who's done that for you for you and I this week was Anne's Posticoglu. Uh, just a reminder that um, that the Posticoglu interview that Chris and I did will be across all our social channels and our media our digital platforms on Saturday and across the pages of the of the Daily Mail print edition. And um, do look out for that. Um, in the meantime, mate. Back to the Premier League. I think you and I and the rest of the rest of the country are both quite glad about that. Um, I'll see you back in the studio on Monday for the next edition of It's All Kicking Up.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?